another word of prayer. Prepare our hearts for God's word. Lord, we thank you, O God, for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we open up this word, we open up our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Speak to us, Lord, your children. Lord, have your way. May you be glorified, may you be magnified, and may you be honored. All that is said and is done on this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can join me again in the gospel according to John, looking at the fourth chapter, I'm just going to read in our hearing, uh, looking at verses 9 and verse 10. I'll be reading from uh, the New Living Translation. Word of God reads, Jesus, excuse me, uh, verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Praise God for his word. Amen. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you have me announcements to your neighbor. Tell them the gift of hope. During this Christmas time, we are celebrating. Many will exchange gifts and share meals with loved ones. Some have parties to exchange gifts, and these parties have rules or maybe limits in the gifts that are given from $1 to no limit. Or you might have one of those called the white elephant gift exchange when you bring in household items to be re-gifted and wrapped up in the party, all just for one person to come away on top and say, I got something better than what you have that's not as useless to what you gave me on the first one. But many times we have gift exchanges. They are all done in a variety of ways, some for entertainment, some come with expectations, some are done because of out of obligation. Have you ever had someone tell you can't come unless you bring a gift uh, and the gift has to meet this level. Sometimes gifts exchange have limits and expectations and obligations. But however, God's gift does not come with such involvement. God's gift in one way is simple and another way very complex. But has a little but has little involvement with the giver having to bring a gift to qualify for a gift. God's gift is not a gift exchange. The gift that God has brings us is beyond measure and is priceless. This gift is to us is hope. If you believe so, tell your neighbor, I got hope. Hope, according to Webster's Dictionary, is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. This hope is similar to one receiving a gift and asks for one thing and is a specific and receive a gift that looks like what it was asked for. Everybody been there before? Ask for one thing, and you got the box. You try to look at it. <laughs> you might shake it a little bit, thinking like, is this what I was waiting for? And as, you, as it hits to you, as you think that it is, what do you do? You rush and open it up to see what it is. And when we do so, we have this expectation and this hope of unwrapping and to discover what we have been hoping for. The issue, though, that many of us might have to suffer, that what we are looking for may not be what we really want. And when we get it, it's not what we need. Needs are required and essential, and while, and while a want is just simply a desire to satisfy. The blessing is Jesus knows what you are looking for, and he wants to satisfy us 
not temporarily as money does, but eternally as only he can. So God gave us this love to give us hope. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So he gave us this love to give us hope. And this hope will give one reason to live with expectation of every day certain things. These things are certain for the followers of Christ. Salvation, mercy, grace, love, peace, and tell your neighbor there's more after that. <laughs> and we can look that when we know and receive this gift, we have an expectation every day of some mercy, of some joy, of some peace. That's why we like greatest our favors because morning after morning, new mercy. So when we know that I'm going to see new mercy, or we know the promise of the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When we know that his love is everlasting, or we know that great text in Corinthians 13, chapter, these three, three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these things is what? Love. We know that they will never run out. And so that's why we see in this text, maybe familiar to this account of Jesus and the woman at the Samaritan well. You may know the background of how the Samaritans are like oil and the Jews are like water. They don't mix. You might be familiar with how men may not talk to women out in public, especially if they're not related to them or even engaged to them. But looking at this text, I would like us to highlight this conversation they have and the setting. The setting is of historical significance. We find out about Jacob's well, and we find that this well is at a foot of a mount, and this mount is Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim is where God proclaimed the blessing of Israel as they entered the promised land, and on the other mount, God proclaimed the curses to them if they disobey. We find this in Deuteronomy 11, 29. It reads, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessing and on Mount Ebel the curses. So see how this scene involves God's people, his promise, and his provision. This meeting of Jesus and the Samaritan woman was a divine appointment because you look into the text, the text tells us that he must go through Samaria. Some of us might overlook that part and realize that he just had to sit down and take a risk, but the text clearly points out that he could have gone around, but he must go through Samaria. If you've been following with us in this sermon series, we've been dealing how God is our direction. He is our gift of salvation. He is a gift of transformation. And we look closely upon the text. The people that were affected primarily by his message were not the Jews, but the Gentiles. The one the Jews despise is the one he came to get. Tell your neighbor, God came for the lost. <laughs> and, and since he came for the lost, he will go where nobody, anybody else will go. So he was willing to go through Samaria while most other Jews were too upset and too dignified to go through Samaria, let alone be seen in Samaria. But Jesus said, this is why I came. So I must go through Samaria, I, I, I'm going to throw this one in for free. Some of us, if you want to do a Bible study, you want to look at what Jesus must do, look at how he must go to the cross. <laughs> he must go to Jerusalem. He must go. When you find out what he must do, you find some miraculous things that happen because he must go. So I'm, I'm glad about how our God must do some things. So now we see how this involves this great promise. So let's look at this divine appointment. Jesus is tired from his ministry work. And now is found resting here at Jacob's well. 
Along comes a woman from Samaria at the sixth hour, better known as noon to us, to draw water. Jesus sees her and asks her for some water. This woman now responds with surprise or possibly some sarcasm. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman, in case you didn't see this. And how can you ask me for a drink? She's probably thinking that since you don't like us Samaritans, that if I did give you my vessel to drink, you probably would break it and shatter it just out of spite. But the sad thing of this negativity is that she is seen as nothing good in the situation. She sees nothing. She, I'm sorry. She sees everything that is bad. He came to bring sight to the blind and transform lives, but she's still blind. So therefore, Jesus' first response to her negative response is, if you knew the gift of God, and, and look closer here, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. You see that closely there? See, he looks at her and her sarcasm and her doubt and look as if you only knew who you were talking to. You, you wouldn't be asking me about these because you'd be asking me, can I get a drink of what you got? Jesus wants her to know that I am not just some, some man or some Jew. I am God in the flesh talking to you because I desire to rescue you and all who are lost in sin. I came by this way to save you. I, I could have bypassed you as many Jews have done, but I purpose to be here and you do not know that, you do not know that why I am here, I am here to save you. But can you see again, this was a divine appointment. She came expecting one thing, wanting one thing, but God came to give. And am I getting to somebody here about how you have your expectation of the gifts you want, but God has, I got something greater. It's noon, it's hot, it's hot in the sun. She's coming out to get some water. God knew, he knew. I'm so glad that God knows where we're going to be at the time we're going to be and where we're going to be, how we're going to be there, that he can show up and show out and show enough. Tell us that he's the God of glory. He's a God of amazing. He's a God of awesome. As, he, as anybody here can testify that God does some amazing things for you at the right time, in the right place, made a way out of no way. And you can see here why he does it, because he knows our trouble. This woman coming to this well, not knowing that she's about to find the man of God. She had her mind made up. I'm trying to get my water and get up out of here to leave me alone. But this man who is a Jew has a nerve to talk to me, probably want to mess with me. And I'm just trying to get my water and get out. Some text suggests that she came by herself with the other women won't come with her. So she comes at this hour so she can sneak on back because they mad about her because of maybe her promiscuous lifestyle. I'll get to that in a moment. But you see here that she's just trying to get in and get out. But Jesus said, I'm trying to get in your heart. So she is not fully seeing what is before her. And so her second negative response, she looks at Jesus and sees he has nothing to draw with from this well, for it is deep. She points to the limits of Jesus that she sees. Therefore, she has put limits on what he can do in her life. We, we need to be careful, just as this woman of Samaria, that we do not put limits on Jesus and therefore put limits on what he can do in our life. Tell your neighbor, take the limits off. If only she knew that what Jesus was offering was deeper than this well. 
what he has is beyond measure and priceless. That is why Paul was in his prayer for Ephesus. We find that in Ephesians 3rd chapter 14 and 19, he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp, catch this now, how wide, how and long, and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. She did not know how deep he was. She looked at the well, said, this well is deep. Jesus, look, look, if you look at me, you can see that I'm deep. And her negative attacks did not stop there of limiting Jesus and what he can do. We too need to be careful that some people tell you what God cannot do because they look at things around them that have limits, not knowing that we serve a limitless God. Just, 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 just help your person out when they, when they doubt God what he can do. Tell them, tell them, what time do you have to be at work? And they're going to tell you what time they have to be at work. And now you can point out to them, what time does God got to be at work? He has no limits. He had, he's, not, he's not bound by time. So you're trying to put limits on a God that cannot be measured, and you're trying to put limits on what he can do when you're the one with the limits. He's the one with no limits. Tell your neighbor, take the limits off. And so she states to Jesus that you are not. Now look at this negative response she goes to. She states to Jesus that you are not greater than our father Jacob, who dug this well and his children drank from <laughs> This is now laughable to me, knowing that what, what I know now. Anybody here know who Jesus is? <laughs> so what I know now, as I'm reading this, I see this. She question, she's questioning the creator of all things if he is greater than Jacob, who dug a well. The creator of all things being compared to a man who dug a well. The creator of the sun, the moon, the stars being compared to a man who put a hole in ground. I'm, I'm like, wow. She, 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 she's seeing this, and she asks this one who holds this world together by his word, the same one. This may seem outrageous as we read this, but we see this daily. People who ask, why do you celebrate Christmas? They want to know, is this God really great? When people put limits on God, what they are looking for, they only see what they are looking for. But tell them God is bigger than that. That is like going to the zoo, and all you do is look at one cage and one animal and say you saw the whole zoo. You have put a limit on what you are able to see. Therefore, you have put a limit on what you're able to understand, and therefore, you put a limit on your knowledge. And therefore, when someone talks to you about another part of the zoo, all you know is what you know. But God is bigger than our vision, our understanding, and our world because our God is deeper than we can ever believe. So look at what Jesus says to her. He did not say all that as I could imagine him saying. But he says, whoever drinks this water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What I like about that, he says, yes, a man dug that and a man will be thirsty again. But what I will give you, you will never thirst. Again, now you see how she switched now. 
Now, now she started hearing something that I like. You know, that's what I want. I, I came out here to get some water, not knowing I could get some living water. I, I came out here thirsty, want to satisfy my thirst, knowing I'm going to have to make the same trip probably tomorrow to get some more water because I'm going to be dying of thirst. But you're here to tell me that you can satisfy my need for water. Oh, Jesus letting her know that, yes, I can give you something <laughs> that's better than this water. You see here that this catches her attention, but now she understands that as good as this well is and how refreshing this water is, she still becomes thirsty again and has to come back to this well to draw water again. She wants this water that Jesus is offering. She wants this gift of God, but she still does not know who it is to ask her for water. She sees that this man she is speaking to has what she needs and even desires. She knows she came looking for water, but now has been offered living water. Jesus responded now to her desire for this living water to get her husband. Jesus, knowing of her indiscretions, now moves her to open her eyes a little wider to see her sin, her shame, and her need for redemption. She acknowledges the truth and sees that this man must be a man of God, a prophet for knowing all about her business. But she still is not sold on this and waiting to shift focus from her sin and her shame. She looks to educate who we worship about worship. Has anybody been there before that you had to share with somebody about Jesus and about their sin? All of a sudden they want to talk about church. They want to tell you how I don't go to church. They don't take all that. I don't need to be in that place and know I'm good or, or I know about Jesus. And they, they talk about all this religiosity stuff that has nothing to do with our Lord and our Savior. They're so caught up in their sin and their shame, they don't want it exposed. So therefore, they want to expose what they can expose. And yes, they can expose some fake people up in the church. Yes, they can. And matter of fact, they talking to me. I say, you talking about me because I ain't right. That's why I'm in the church. Anybody here been a part of a perfect church? If you've been part of a perfect church, it's no longer perfect because you're a part of it. And so once we realize that we're not perfect, we're all broken vessel in desperate need of Jesus, we start realizing, Lord, expose my shame, expose my guilt. And, Lord, I give it over to you for redemption and satisfaction because, Lord, you have what I need. And you notice that in order for her to get the water, Jesus had to first expose her sin. We need to understand that we can't come to God faking it. But we've got to come to God real, exposed and naked. And God now sees her in a vulnerable position. He exposes her sin and she shifts to worship. And it's amazing, again, it's another laughable aspect because the, the, the God who is glory, who is to be glorified, she's trying to tell him how he, he should be glorified. I can see her making it clear in verse 20, we worship on the mountain. You know that mountain right there by the well. This, this mountain, we know this mountain, the mountain where the blessing came down. Jesus replied to her, woman, this time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain 
or in Jerusalem. He did not exclude the Jews. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now because he's present. <laughs> when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus explains to her that true worship is not based on place, but in truth and in spirit and knowledge. You understand that if you don't know him, how can you worship him? And so many people that do not know him, they don't know what it means to worship. They don't know what it means to honor. They don't know why we celebrate Christmas. That is not about the commercials. It's not about the gifts, but it's all about Jesus Christ, who is the perfect gift. Her eyes are now a little bit open because she realized this gift. Because this woman now says this, this, this Messiah, we, this Messiah who is to come. You, you said something very profound uh, about worshiping. This is very profound. She realized like, like this is some truth that I've, I got to grab onto. And, and, and I know this Messiah, also known as the Christ, it, it is to come. Uh, you said something that pricked my heart. You could see the spirit working on it. Now you, you said something that, that grabbed a hold of me. And look at Jesus. Says, I am he. You see what he said? I am he. I am that I am. He, he, he helped her understand, I am, I am Jehovah, I am Yahweh, I am him. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm right here. Some texts say it, as the New Living Translation says, I am the Messiah. Some say, I who speak to you am he, but more literally it says, I am the one speaking to you. If you're not familiar with this, I am, go back in your Exodus in the fourth chapter, and when Moses asked, who do I send? He tell him, I am, tell him that I am, has sent you. He says something that she could grab and hold on to, that he has equated himself with the true living God. This statement now shows her Jesus is what he, she has been looking for. Can you, can you see it now how her day started out one way? I've been waiting to see this Messiah. I heard about him coming, but did I think I would meet him at the well? What I think I meet him, but, but Cassius, 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 she had no clue, but Jesus knew all about it. The text opens up, I must go through Samaria. I must be here at this well. I must be here for this woman. Not only that, just for her to be blessed, but for Samaria to be blessed. This statement shows her Jesus is what she has been looking for. And I can hear him saying with my Holy Ghost imagination, I am what you need. I am the living water that will satisfy your thirst. I am the chosen one, the anointed one. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am God's gift. Do you understand that this gift you will not find wrapped under a Christmas tree this season? But this gift of God was found wrapped in swaddling clothes by shepherds. This gift will bring peace, joy, and provide salvation to all who believe. Jesus gave his life so we will have a life worth living. Jesus is our light, our hope, our sword, our shield. He is our present help in the time of trouble in this dark world. He is our expectation of something greater to come and to deliver us from this pain and suffering this world provides and to look to a new heaven and a new Jerusalem where we can worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, this gift of hope came to save sinners. 
This gift came to die on the cross and to bear our shame, our sin, our guilt, and our chastisement. He died being mocked as the king of the Jews, but he rose on that third day morning, king of kings, Lord of lords and hosts of hosts. All this to defeat death and to give us a hope worth living and give us living water. You know, the living water he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. And you can't get the Holy Spirit unless you receive the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. And the gift of God of Jesus Christ came to give us life. He said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Help somebody out what I mean by abundantly. Abundantly does not mean you're going to have more money, more cars, more cash more all that stuff because you can have all that stuff but it's going to fade away it's going to pass away but what God wants to give you is more love uh, more joy uh, more peace uh, more healing for your soul not just for your body because this body going to pass away but one of these mornings uh, we might hear a shout uh, coming out of the heavens uh, an angel will be right there uh, Jesus will be right there and we'll be changed uh, in a twinkling of an eye uh, that's the hope we're waiting for for the Lord to come back again he's already coming walked this earth and, and showed us the way. Now I just tell your neighbor, look up uh, and see where your hope coming. My hope uh, coming from the Lord. Uh, he is my all in all. He is my strength. He is the reason for the season. That's why I sing uh, because I'm happy. I sing uh, because he's my joy. He is the center of my life. So the greatest gift, the gift of all, is the gift of Jesus. So, you don't need a gift receipt for this gift. Because surely if you taste the goodness of the Lord, you don't want to ever give it that back. You, you don't even have to, catch this, you don't even have to tell somebody what you want. Lord already knows what you need. And he's looking to provide. He's looking to provide. And this gift, you don't have to worry about upgrading, downloading, trading in, stick a component here, plug this in here. This gift will go straight to your heart and it'll well up in you and it will satisfy you. Let's turn to our Lord. Lord, we just come grateful for this gift. This gift that has come to show us, Lord, who you are. And Lord, we are grateful that you have been there for us, that you have made divine appointments in our lives, that you have shown us exactly what we need when we wanted some other things. And God, we are grateful that you satisfy our thirst. Lord, we are grateful that you can expose our sins. Lord, we are grateful that you've come to redeem us and not to shame us. You've come to lift us up and not to destroy us. And, Lord, I pray there might be someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Our Lord, they can confess right now with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they shall be saved. Lord, I pray there might be someone here who does not have a place of fellowship. And, Lord, I pray if you have guided them here, that I will wrap our arms around them and be a place of worship for them, almighty God. Father, Lord, please have your way here in this place. May you be glorified, may you be magnified, minister to our hearts, Lord, as we just surrender, Lord, unto you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.
May we stand and extend the hand of discipleship. You can join with me in singing our good old hymn, Come to Jesus. <laughs>